Hey there, entrepreneurs. If you are wondering how you can break those old habits and what role they may play in your life, and especially in the success of your company, you are going to want to go back and check out last week's episode where I spoke with Laura Benedetto, who guys, she retired from her first, you know, award-winning company at age 37 and is now on like like two, three or four of her career as an entrepreneur. So you will definitely want to go and check that out. But for right now, I am jumping in with my dear friend and an amazing individual, Michelle Jakobic. Let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. Everyone, I am so excited to welcome my friend, a mentor, just an amazing and incredible human being onto the show today. Michelle Jakobic is here with us to talk about, I know, don't cringe, the money factor, guys, because it's so important for us. And she's also here to share her journey a little bit with us about how she's gotten to where she is. So let me tell you a little more, bit more about her. So with over three de- decades of experience, she helps highly motivated entrepreneurs understand their unique potential so they can achieve their big goals in less time with more ease. Guys, who doesn't want that? Raise your hand if, you, if that's something that you want. Um, she is an expert at helping them master their vision, mindset, money and business growth. And in addition to her education in insurance and finance, she transformed her own life as a 23-year-old woman who was drowning in a sea of debt to a businesswoman who, at the help of her partner, bought a company that they worked for by age 29, guys, bought out the company she was working for, um, and then grew the client base from 600K to over 12 million in sales a year. But today, guys, she transfers all that experience, which as you can tell, there is a lot to be transferred. (laughs) She transfers all of her experience and insights as a seasonal entrepreneur and mentor, sharing her powerful strategies and has built a successful coaching practice while traveling the country doing what she loves. You know, clients refer to Michelle, and I just I just love this stuff so much, as number one, an inspiring, fierce leader, a compassionate professional with passion, drive, and seemingly infinite positivity. I can attest to that. <laughs> and an incredible, incredibly powerful coach with the skill to deliver what is most needed with precision, all fueled by a desire to see others win at this game of entrepreneurship and creating the lives and businesses that fully serve them and their vision. You know, 
because she's not incredible enough, she also speaks across the country, delivering messages of financial empowerment to her audiences. She's a contributing writer for Thrive Global, and she is also the author, and if you have not gone out and gotten this book, um, you really should, of the number one Amazon bestseller, Prosperity After Divorce, Take Charge of Your Finances and Create the Life You Really Want with Lifestyle Redesign Planning. So Michelle, I am beyond excited, beyond excited and a little bit geeking out right now to have you on the show with me today. I'm really super excited for this conversation. I'm so glad to be here, Michelle. Every time I get to be in your energy and you you. sharing your light with the world, it's, it's such a gift. So um, it's so, it's so funny, you know, in the bio, I guess you don't have to say I'm divorced because (laughs) writing a book about it. Right. Uh, But thank you. That was such a really great introduction. And I appreciate, um, you know, the, the, beauty of what you're bringing here with surviving entrepreneurship. It's so powerful. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Well, you know, let's jump right in. So I just, I love that your focus is prosperity, you know, whether that is with your entrepreneurship clients or wherever it has been, it's been kind of like a reoccurring thing in your life too. Um, You know, but I bet our listeners would love to hear more about how that came about because sometimes people think that you know you just come out of the womb and you're like hello I know how to make money and I'm amazingly <laughs> amazingly financially responsible you know all of those things yeah, so tell true. us tell us a little bit about your journey you know the challenges any of those things that have kind of come across your path the surviving the surviving part yeah so you know I love I love being asked this question because it's so true so many times you know we hear a bio we look at somebody where they are at the the point in their life where they're presenting to you or showing up as you know a mentor and you have no idea really the journey that they came from right and then we do this comparison crap so um for me Uh, No, I did not come out of the womb with any (laughs) insight into finances. Uh, Interestingly enough, my mom actually worked for a municipality and um, right out of high school, you know, worked for the city that we worked for and she worked in finance, uh, but worked her way up, you know, through the basics of finance, like you would, you get the receptionist job and then you end up moving up through the ranks and um, with just high school education, moved herself through the finance department. So at eight years old, I'm not kidding, at eight years old, one of my chores was like balancing the checkbook. <laughs> and um, and it was crazy. And I, I was so grateful today that there was this foundational like, hey, there's this thing that happens with money and you have to measure it. Um, right. However, I had a completely different energy than my mother. My mother was very <laughs> safety driven, you know, um, risk adverse versus me who had huge dreams, always thinking, you know, life was big. And many times, as I'm sure you and many entrepreneurs that are listening mm-hmm. here, you know, get your head out of the clouds, you drink, you think yeah. too big. And yep. by the time um, I finished my, I had my associate's degree, I had gotten at a community college. So I didn't go to some big university, <laughs> um, went to the local community college and had, and had a chip on my shoulder about it, by the way, put myself through school. And um, when I was finished, I leapt out at 19 years old. You know, I, I didn't move out. I leapt out with a whole lot of confidence. I had finished my associate's degree. I took a job working in fi- with, with a financial services firm as an admin and making $11 an hour. And it was a $3 raise from where I was. <laughs> so like, and Yay! so that gave me a huge sense of adult <laughs> confidence to make that move. But other than the $3 raise and the $11 an hour, I had no plan. 
It was just, I'm out. And uh, over the next two years, my sense of adult confidence was definitely ignited by an approval for a new car, uh, multiple offers for credit cards and payday loans, right? right. So right. I, yeah, I was able to get all of the stuff that I needed and I wanted, the apartment, the waterbed, the sweet evil talon, um, work clothes, <laughs> a few vacations because I was completely stressed out from the adulting nightmare that I had entered into. And I found myself, you know, I always say um, Visa and MasterCard showed up as my angel investors. And yeah. because I am somebody who's very goal driven, I had vision boards, you know, I followed Tony Robbins. Um, I, I believed that all of those things happening and showing up were just evidence that I was right where I was supposed to be in the universe right. was supporting me with this mm -hmm. great, here are your angel investors, Visa and MasterCard. And, you know, just two years later, I found myself at 21 with more than $15,000 worth of credit card debt. Right. And when the monthly payments became more than my income, when I was maxed out, I was always smart enough to leave enough on the cards to keep myself afloat so I could buy my groceries and my shampoo and my Aquanet. Um, <laughs> but I started playing the APR swap game as so many people right. do or, you know, because it's, yep. it's there, it's available. I played the consolidation game and I finally woke up one day and there was no more wiggle room. It was game over. There was right. nowhere else to turn. And what happens when that, when that happens for you in your life is your confidence is shattered. I walked around looking pretty good because, you know, I had great clothes and a nice car and a great place. <laughs> yeah, the things, but yeah. I, yeah, but I had a really well-hidden sense of failure and shame and a really heavy sense of financial immaturity, right? right? So, and remember, I was working for a financial services firm. I, at the same time that this is all going on, I had gotten my investment license, stockbroker's stock license. I had my life and health license. I got involved in, I did a year of tax training. So the good thing is I was listening. I was learning about compound interest. I was being told, you know, if you start at 20, this is what it looks like when you're 65. If you really make a commitment to building wealth and not just living in this, you know, place of keeping up with the Joneses. Um, but I had to admit to myself that my initial confidence that I had really grew from access to credit. It wasn't because right. I had knowledge, right. you know? So when you say, well, where did the, where did the background come from? It was really from this struggle and this desire um, that came from a place of scarcity, by the way, because yeah. I wanted out and I wanted a better life. And, yeah. and that drove me into just taking actions that really were all immature. And so, you know, I had to figure a way out as most of us do when we get here, whether it's in our personal lives or even in our businesses. And I took two additional part-time jobs. I worked my butt off for that, you know, three years. And I swore when I got out, I would never go back. Right. And I learned a lot in the process. You know, I went back to my grandmother's way of saving money. Um, I, you know, I learned that financial consistency is actually what leads to financial stability. Absolutely. Right. And again, that's both transferable in our personal lives as well as in our businesses. And for me at 21, what did that mean? What did financial consistency leading to financial stability mean? At 23, it meant having a plan. It meant having a budget. Right. It meant spending less, not more than what I made every week. Um, it meant being content with where I was, not complacent, because exactly. I never stopped content. dreaming or setting yeah. goals, but it meant being you know, content with where I was, but not complacent because I wanted the big vision um, and patience. It meant really having an understanding of the value of controlling my hard-earned dollars. Mm -hmm. And what I learned through that three years was that if I combined my goals, if I planned and budgeted and worked on strategy, if I took action, because you could do all that and not take any action, right, exactly. um, 
and, and brought my faith in, right? That I knew it was all going to be okay and that I could continue to take bigger leaps. I knew that if I put this formula together, I could take more leaps and have less fails as I move through the rest of my life. And that's really what the last two and a half decades have been for me. It's been applying those same principles through that I've been able to take those bigger leaps. So yeah, you know, 20 years ago, I was able to purchase the company that I worked for. I would never have been able to do that if I didn't have an understanding. You know, it was an $11,000 a week payroll. Um, it was a huge nut from a business perspective. We were one of the biggest loans that was ever given uh, with Liberty Bank, with the SBA. Um, as women, that was a huge power yeah. because we think it's easy to get access to money and it's not. It's not. It's and, not. you know, today, so many women entrepreneurs that I coach, they come to me and and I'm sure this resonates with you as well. Mm -hmm. You know, we make investments in our business. We grab for easy access to credit, which yes. I'm not a, against credit. I'm a Dave Ramsey coach, but one of the things we don't necessarily <laughs> agree on, I don't think credit is bad. It's our behavior right. with credit that's bad. Exactly. But as women, as entrepreneurs, you know, credit is really important. Leverage and access is important. But if you're grabbing at it and not having a strategy around how to grow the business, and you don't have the strategy of how to create cash flow, if you don't have an understanding of education around money and what it takes to be a savvy CEO and entrepreneur, um, you end up a statistic, right? Yes, you do. You do. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more with you. And I just, I love the way that you were telling that story because I think, you know, oftentimes we think what is, and I agree with it, that what is being thrown in your path, whether it is, you know, being angel invested by Visa and MasterCard, you know, you had a choice there. You could have, you could have given up your faith in the universe as well and said, oh, well, I guess it wasn't meant to be because these awful things were thrown in my path. But instead you took them and you, you just learned so much in such a short time and went, yeah. you know, heads down into, okay, if this is what you're going to hand me, this is what I'm going to do with it universe. That's right. Pretty phenomenal. Yeah. And I think the big thing too is, you know, when we're walking through things, you can always look back, you know, I always say hindsight is 2020 and reflection right. is everything. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I love going back and, and even sharing the story because there's so many wins, right? When we actually right. go back through the challenges that we had and the obstacles that we overcame, we get to celebrate even through the struggle. There's always room to celebrate. What did we learn? Right. Mm -hmm. I can celebrate the fact that, you know, my mom gave me a foundation that I, you know, as most parents, kids are like, you don't know what you're doing. Exactly. Um, and then you wake up with maturity and you're like, oh, you know, my grandmother had this way and my mom had this way. Um, but I didn't give up the pieces of myself, right. you know, that were the, the things that I believed and the things that I wanted. And it, it actually having the financial stability and that financial security helped me take those bigger leaps and dream bigger than I did at 20. Um, and one of the things for me, I think that's what's landed me here is I always swore that when I was finished with that chapter, right, of, you know, I did 17 years, I owned my company and then sold it off um, six years ago. I always said the one, one of the things I would do is either go back to school and finish my bachelor's and then go in and teach in the community college, right? You like kind of right. go back to your roots. Um, and I would teach about personal finance and, you know, I didn't end up when I had the opportunity at the crossroads to do that. I chose to go this route and take all of my experience in education. As so many entrepreneurs are like, do I really have to go back to school? I'm not the box, right? I don't like the box. Um, and I also was able to assess as many people can, what were my gifts and talents and did I really need? And if I was going to teach at a college level, obviously I needed to go back to school. 
Um, but I've been able to transfer, transfer this, uh, this experience and information in such a powerful way um, what, by working with entrepreneurs and couples and singles and right. really helping people drop the shame game. Right. So that they can, yeah, Yeah. remove the chains of guilt and, and know that it doesn't serve you. And it's, it's, are you ready? Like, are you ready to do something different? And most importantly too, I think for so many people that are listening, we're not getting the education, right? I spoke to a room of 200 people, all entrepreneurs. And I asked for a show of hands, how many people actually, um, had a degree in entrepreneurship or any education and not one hand went up out of two. I'm talking 200 people, not one hand went up yet. We all have this fierce desire for financial freedom, for independence, to make our own schedules. And so it is up to us to reach for the education and it's an ongoing process, right? Taxes change. It's getting the right people on your team, trusted advisors, mentors, um, to be able to help you sort that out, but have a desire for learning, around the money rather than an avoidance around the money yes. because it just doesn't feel good. It's icky, right? Because right. it is icky. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, good, good segue. Cause I wanted to talk a lot about that, that avoidance that folks have, because I think there's, that's where we get in trouble, right? As if I don't look at it, it doesn't exist, but as an entrepreneur, and I know you say this very often, you are the CEO, you are the one driving the bus. So, and if Based you can't corporation the gas the tank, yeah. You're not getting far. So, you know, Absolutely. why, why from your, from your point of view, why do people avoid it? You know, whether it's an emotional trigger or whatever it might be, why are they, why are they, why don't they want to look? You know, it's so interesting. There's probably a couple of different reasons, right? I think mainly is it feels as though when you, when you leap into business, right, just the same way I leaped out of the house and I made the decision to buy the company that I worked for, you don't want somebody telling you that you can't do it. And a lot of times the metrics of the money give you an adverse reaction or a contrast to where you know you're going because you're looking at the reality, right? So, so many people, when they leap with their purpose and they leap with that desire to have the freedom, they don't, they feel that looking at the numbers or bringing that into the formula is actually adverse to their success when it's completely the opposite, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, a lot, not for nothing, but entrepreneurship is not, is not about stability. (laughs) Look at the environment we're in with the pandemic, right? Like here we are sitting weeks into, you know, months into a couple months into, you know, the first pandemic we've ever experienced. And like, even if you had all of the, you know, education around being an entrepreneur, would you have ever thought in your business, no. oh, there's a pandemic yeah. coming, no, right? No, we never have seen same, it coming. Yeah, same thing with 9-11, you know, when that happened, you know, being in the insurance industry during that time, it was absolutely detrimental, right? The financial output, you know, the things that happened, watching businesses that, you know, had coverage, but now all of a sudden the whole industry changed because the insurance company said, we're not going to give this coverage. We're going to put this disclosure on that now says we're not covering any terrorist attacks, right? So everything is always changing. The energy of business is changing. And I think that, you know, we have, as women, you know, men and women have this different makeup around money. And I I use the acronym NAP, right? We have to understand our nature first and foremost, right? Mm -hmm. Most women have a desire for stability and security. And what I ask people to do is to replace that desire for stability and security with a desire for clarity, right? right? Right. Like get clear. What, What do I need? What do I need my business to generate to create the life that I really want? 
Mm -hmm. And it can't just be about how many hours you want to work. It can't just be about whether you want summers off with your kids. It can't just be about, you know, growing. I have this desire to, to scale to X level. It has to be a combination of all of those things, right? It's why I always, with my process, the Envision Success Path that I teach, it's about starting with the vision and then connecting the cash flow. And so having the ability to replace your desire for, you know, the desire for certainty with the desire for clarity, I think is the first step. It's that first step to saying, all I need to do is get clear. What do I want the business to do for me? What does my lifestyle design look like when I pull in not just the bills with the due dates, but I bring in auto repairs and kids' school camps and field trips and sports and Christmas and all of the things that actually make up our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Because if we're not clear about the metrics of our lifestyle, it's really hard to trigger what it is we want the business to be doing for us. And do you find people stumble? I, I know I do <laughs> as a coach. When you ask people to get clear on that or just even the simple ask of, you know, well, what do you want? You know, people... They, they stumble over answering that and it becomes like a very hard thing to articulate for many yeah. people, right? Yeah. And I think it changes, right? It's why I think the work is so important. I think working with a coach like yourself, a mentor is so important because not for nothing, but our lives, they evolve. And so, you know, what I want, what I wanted my life to look like when I made the decision to sell my share of the company six years ago, it came because, you know, up until 2009, everything was rosy and then I got a divorce. And everything was split in half, including our time with the children, right? So 60 hours a week working, you know, 26 years at that level and being the person who had my former spouse home with the kids who went back into the, he went back into the workforce. Now I have the kids every two days and I've got to show up and figure out this formula to ha- for how to making the, how to make the business mm-hmm. marry what I want happening in my lifestyle. And I couldn't make it work. Right. I couldn't make it work. There was always crumbs on either side. And I just thought, change what you're doing, right? Maybe it's time to turn the page and change what you're doing. So I think it's really important if you aren't clear on your vision and what you want your life to look like. And, and let me say where I was then, I needed support to get to that decision. Yeah. I had to step in with a life coach. It was the first time that I actually had a life coach, not like a business consultant to go inward and look at what do I really want? in my life. And I, I had homework that she had given me that it took me two weeks to answer because she had said, what's your ideal work day? What's your ideal work evening? And I was like, ideal. I get a also I get a choice. My business owns me, right? Because many times when we're not looking at, at what we want to create and we're not looking at the cash flow, we're not looking at things. We wake up at this business, this monster, I would call it, that is a disconnect from what you really thought you were, the entrepreneur journey was going to give you. Most people want want freedom of time and money and they get the freedom of money. They don't get the freedom of time or they're, they're in a love affair with the freedom of time, but they're not getting the freedom of money. Exactly. Exactly. So clarity on both of those, right? Yeah. Wonderful. And support to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, and I think you're exactly right. You see, you see entrepreneurs on one end or the other, right? You're either in the grind mentality, which, you know, we both know that you can grind. There's a season to grind. There's a season to hustle, but that cannot be the norm 24 seven. Because you're right, you lose the freedom part. And if you're on the other end, then you have a, a very potentially expensive hobby. And I think so many times too, and I'm sure, you know, this would resonate. We grind and sometimes we grind so much longer than we need to, because we're not attached to the metrics. Exactly. Right. Again, it comes back to, you know, maybe you've done 
really well with saving or maybe the lifestyle chapter that you're in requires more of your time with your children right now with parents being faced with homeschooling right moms and dads that are entrepreneurs are trying to figure this out and right now that is going to require more from them than what the business is going to be able to take from yeah. them yeah. and it's not an easy balance to figure out so again most people are trying you know they're feeling out of alignment they're shaming themselves for one side or the other not being well and going back to the metrics and saying well what do i really need to make what does the business need to do for me yes. and being okay with not always having to do more if right. you're in a season where you want to be putting more of your time into your family life and you'll come back over here and not shaming yourself for it. Right. Exactly. exactly. It's yeah. an integration. It's, you know, it's yes. not about yes. black and white thinking of being in balance or out of balance. It's an integration for a reason. I mean, you yeah. and I both know as coaches, like there's always that, that pie chart of, yes. you know, how do you want your life to look like and slice it into different, into different percentages. And sometimes the percentages go to different things and that's yes. okay. But to your point, if you don't fully understand the, the baseline in which you need to achieve as an entrepreneur to even to be able to increase the other slices of the pie, then that's a, that's a problem. You're going to get yourself in trouble that way. Yeah. And I agree with you because sometimes the lifestyle pie takes more from us. And sometimes the business pie takes more because if you're going to grow and scale and you're going to make investments, right. As you're scaling up, I'm building an academy right now, right? A membership academy. And that required more people on my team from exactly. the basic two over to five. And so the bigger piece of the business pie is happening, but I'm very clear about when it needed to happen, how it was going to happen. And I know that, you know, if I need to shift something on in order to bring more dollars over to the business pie, maybe the business pie isn't as big as I want it. So it means I have to do something on the lifestyle side right. and it's not a sacrifice for me. It's a clarity piece. Like I got clear about what I need and sometimes it's perfect storm and nothing is needed. But many times when we're something. scaling in one way or the other, we've got to, we've got to understand the marriage between our business and our lifestyles. And I think yeah. so many times that's a part that gets left out and it comes from that avoidance. You said, what is the biggest thing? It is the number one thing that I see, the number one mistake. 66% of entrepreneurs fail in the first five years. It's interesting, the statistic has remained the same for so long. Yeah. And, and I actually think that that number is bigger. It's just most people are grabbing on to leverage credit um, and it helps them pass the two, three year mark. But when they get to year five, because they haven't figured it out, um, and then they're now working with this, what was an investment in the business. Now they're carrying around as debt and they haven't figured out the cash flow formula right. they, because of the avoidance of the numbers. So yeah. my biggest message is really helping people get comfortable just with that desire for clarity and then starting to get educated around where do they look and how do they look? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the numbers. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you are. Probably to a fault. Um, so I mean, when it comes to kind of what your different metrics are and the things that you tell people, you know, give us, give us some insight into that. Like, you know, what are your top five areas that you kind of really think are, are yeah. key to, to know about? Yeah, I think the first thing is a measurement, right? So 39% of small business owners actually look at their numbers every month faithfully, only 39%, only right? Oh. The second, yeah, the second thing is 35% are sometimes, 
yeah, I look at it sometimes, right? And 26% are hardly ever and say, what reports? So the first thing is, which one are you, right? Recognizing which one are you? Um, and then understanding that the profitability secrets and strategies to shift and grow are actually in these numbers and getting a date with yourself monthly at, at a minimum monthly to take a look at the metrics and, um, and, and get a pulse on where the business is. So first you have a formal process and a way that you're going to make sure that you're having that appointment with yourself. Do you have a date on the calendar to review the numbers? And quite honestly, you don't need to go overboard. So many people, when they make the commitment, they start to go overboard. They have all kinds of spreadsheets and mm -hmm. like 17 layers of looking at things. You Agreed. don't need to do Agreed. that. Um, and I want to just add one other thing is this is generally as, as a coach, as a consultant, I will say to people, it's usually the first thing that I ask them to outsource, at least the bookkeeping side. Yes, you still write your own checks. Yes, you still control your money. You don't give over that authority, right? Um, without protections, but getting somebody else in the numbers to be able to download your statements, take care of the, the, those things where you work on the cash flow, revenue, revenue generation activities. Mm -hmm. it, it number one helps anybody that's an avoider, even a lover of money. Like Great. I love looking at the numbers, but I still need that support because if I'm doing that and doing all those tasks, then I'm not generating cash flow and the things that only I can do in my business. Right. So I would say that. And then I would say the things that you want to look at when you have the ability to, to look at the metrics is review your sales by client. Who's spending the most with you? Are they returning? Have they been with you for a while? Right. Um, that helps you figure out your retention and your return, whether that's a product or sale, what's going off the shelves, what's staying on the shelves. Um, also, it helps you figure out where you're making money. So I say to people, one of the best things that you can do is slice and dice your numbers. So if you have multiple streams of revenue, so I have the book on Amazon, right? I have a workshop that's out there, a five week course that's out on Teachable. So it's a stream of revenue, those two. Then I have one-on-one -on -one coaching clients. I have a mastermind program. So your numbers shouldn't just be sales. It should right. be a metrics of breaking in when money comes in, where are the dollars coming from so that you have a baseline of where you started and now you start to have these comparisons of where your profit centers are yes. right so yeah. understand your um your metrics of income and as well as your metrics of expenses so for me it really do, it does come down to looking at the profit and loss right the profit and loss is the most important report because you can pull it so many different ways it's right. really are you making money the profit and loss will tell you, you can have a ton of income coming in, but if your expenses are really high at the bottom, at the, at the bottom of that sheet, you're looking at, you know, $1,400 that came in over that month. And you thought it was, you know, you had a great month at 17,000 of revenue. Um, it doesn't feel so good. Mm -hmm. So we're, at we're attached to the gross sales. We're not attached to the expense ratio. We're not attached, attached to whether we're hitting best practices and that's different for every industry. Um, and many times we're not attached to even the after tax earning. Oh so yes. the yep. profit and loss is huge. Um, reviewing it, is it better or worse? Can you make improvements? I think as a CEO, it's so important to be able to know that when you look at your numbers, you should have the answers to many things. If my income is down, did I choose for it to be down because I'm working on scaling? You know, I should be able to look at that report and have an answer for five or six different questions that if anybody asked me if I was in front, and I always say, if you had to go in front of the bank today and present your business and your financials, and they asked you five or six specific questions, could you answer them? 
Those are the things that you want to be looking at. So is it better or worse? Can you make improvements in the numbers? Are there dips and valleys in certain months when you're looking at your profit and loss? One of the best things is to be able to look at your down months and plan next year for how to not have that be a down exactly. month. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, I loved it. It's yep. actually kind of fun because then you can actually figure oh, out it's a game. place where you know, you can put your strategic moves or your new programs to launch or whatever it may be. Like I'm with you. Like, I think it's fun and it brings yeah, me it's joy, kind of geeky. geeks, I guess, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think without, without understanding the trends, you, you can't really strategize for your business. Right. And I think the other thing too, that it helps with is this, right? Every single time that I look at my numbers and my money or get clients to do the same, it also brings up the mindset stuff. Right. So this example of, you know, having a, not a great month in the insurance industry, I remember eight years in a row, December and January being low months. And it was one of those things you're just like, oh yeah, it's always just, we're slow. We're slow in those months. Right. Right. And I remember hearing myself, I think on year eight saying, why are you even saying this? Is this really true? Is it really true? And I started researching Industries that actually had insurance renewals, January 1, medical malpractice and manufacturing. And I started to market because I thought that is a limiting belief that you think that business is slow in December and January. I started marketing to those industries and I never had another week off in December again. It was kind of (laughs) counterintuitive, but we grew by 23% because I got clear that it was a story I was telling myself about the numbers, the seasonality right? Real estate agents do this. They'll say, oh, it's slow. It's always going to be slow if you say it's going to be slow. But when you start to look at your metrics and you start to set some strategy around, well, is that true? Or am I, from my own place of my story, telling myself that this is true? And so again, looking at the numbers, having your view of the month, setting some fun games around like, what could I do? What else is possible, right? It's always the what else is possible when you're looking at your numbers, Right. You know, and um, if you're not looking, then you're just status quo moving through. So I think it also helps you too, when you're looking at your sales, it helps you engage with, you know, the clients that are doing business with you, the products that are selling, like, can you source better? Can you, you know, if a product isn't selling, is it time to get rid of it, right? Get it off the shelves if it isn't selling. Um, And then it also helps you, the assessment piece helps you start to see other ways in your business you can be making money. Right. right. I mean, not for nothing, but surviving entrepreneurship, phenomenal. I love your podcast and I want to wear something that says surviving entrepreneurship. And now I see you're putting out this, this yeah. line of retail. And I'm like, yes, because I want a shirt that says surviving entrepreneurship or resilience. Yeah. You know, you speak to resilience all the time and it's like, hell yes, we're entrepreneurs. I want to wear something that, that speaks to my resilience. So I love that. I love that you can look at your business from a perspective of what else is possible and bring those pieces in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think to your point, a lot of people are stuck in their stories. They have one single lane vision, which will translate into a single lane of income coming in, which can be a little risky. But if you can diversify, there's always off of one idea, there's always 10 more that can be splintered off of it that all kind of drive back to that, that mission. But coming full circle without that level of clarity, you really, you really can't sit down there and do the appropriate amount of dreaming and the appropriate amount of brainstorming without fully understanding, you know, your, your boundaries and your limitations 
financially and all of the stuff that goes along with that, right? Yeah. So the few questions that I say people should be able to answer around their cash flow is how much do I need to break even month to month mm -hmm. and for the year? What's my break even? Right. How much do I need to have in the bank for the month, the quarter? And I use a cash, a 12 month cash flow planning, but to actually have a capital savings account, right? Right. Really have money saved for these seasonalities and things like a pandemic, which, you know, exactly. for entrepreneurs, first time ever in history that they were allowed to collect unemployment. However, what if that didn't happen? Yeah. Right. My phone was ringing off the hook. People saying, now I really need this work. I've been avoiding it. I need to figure out the metrics and the formula of how this all works because I really could have been in a really bad place with my business. Right. Um, and then how much do I need to have three months of the expenses saved up? What does three months of business expenses look like? What does three months of your personal life look like? How right. much should I be putting aside for taxes based on my profit? Right. So if you're looking at the numbers monthly and quarterly, you'll know that. Um, how much do I need when I assess adding in new investments like a new VA staff, paying myself, right? Go figure um, guys. Yeah. New, yes. new equipment or purchases. Again, looking at a full 12 month cash flow um, with a planning tool helps you look at that in advance. Um, and then how much to reach each of my profitability guideposts. I think for me, I help people set guideposts. It's like, this is what you want to make or what you, this is your destination, but what are the guideposts to get you there so that you can celebrate as you're moving on the journey? Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, you set the GPS, but we want to be celebrating along the way. We also want to know every dollar in advance before it comes in where it's going and why it's going there. So exactly. that really is it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the why, the why it's going there, right? Because I think Absolutely. people just kind of, uh, you and I are very big, very big proponents of planning and, you know, goal setting and all of that stuff with the metrics, because then you can know where you came from and where you're going more strategically. Um, and it just, I also think it keeps us grown up. Exactly. It keeps us grown up, exactly. right? We come out there, listen, there's days where I don't want to put those dollars in that account, no. right? I have my little, you know, four-year-old fit and right. um, it's like, but I want this now, but then I remember my why and I remember my goals mm -hmm. and it feels really good to come back to that, more, that again, financial maturity place of, mm -hmm. wait, being a business owner requires a huge sense of maturity, right? You can have fun, but you got to be mature. So, right. yeah. Right. And I, you know, and a lot of people, you do have those days. You do have those days as we've spoken a lot on here in the Resilient Entrepreneur about you know, I want to throw in the towel, screw this. I don't want to do that. And I think people have that kind of, like you said, a four-year-old tantrum around, yeah. you know, the money part as well, but what's bigger to you guys listening to this, what's bigger to you, your bigger vision and yeah. that, that clarity that you've achieved on how you want to show up in this world or, you know, the $4 latte that you want to buy, you know, so it's really yes. kind of you know, it's so true. I'm actually rereading the latte factor. If, if you haven't read it or your audience hasn't read it, it's such a great book. And it just brings you back to that whole, like, Oh yeah. If I'm a little bit more in tune to how, where I put my dollars, right. It's not a, it's not a scarcity thing. It's, it's a choice. Right. And, um, it, it, the outcome of what it looks like to have true financial freedom and the ability to take your dollars from your business and create a life that you want and build wealth and change your family legacy, really, you know, right. and I think being able to tie people's vision with their cash flow, with their, with the marketing and the ability to help them get visible. It really does. When you, when you pull all these pistons together at the end of the day, you're able to get more clients, make more money and make a bigger impact in the world. And that's really what we go into business for, right? Is to exactly. make a difference with a product or a service. 
right. Whatever it may be. Well, I mean, tell tell it, is there any kind of last, last things that you want to leave our audience with as we start to wrap up like little tidbits or anything you haven't said yet? Yeah, I think, um, I think the main thing is don't avoid, right? Right. Right. Just get excited. And, and I think the biggest thing is it's not, it's not always easy. So when you come into this place, as you said, you know, we all have places that we need support. The biggest thing for me is getting people to understand that the support shortens your timeline. So rather than you going out and reading 10 books and, you know, maybe even taking financial peace university, you heard me talk about Dave Ramsey. It's like, it's a nine week course. But at the end of the day, the reason I became a Dave Ramsey coach was because people were coming back to the nine week course that I was, you know, the class that I was teaching four and five times, not leaving. And I was like, why do you keep coming? <laughs> I mean, I know it's, you know, I'm a pretty good presenter, but all I'm doing is putting on the video and asking some group discussion questions and the right. energy of the room is great, but what's happening. And it was because people were getting the, they were getting the what to do. They weren't getting the how to do it. Right. It was these, I know I need to stop spending and putting money on credit cards and this and that, but they really needed support. And when I started coaching in this area, both individuals and and entrepreneurs, the timeline shortened, it it just sparked something, right? It created this desire to figure things out, this educational, and it changes everything. Because once you get into this place of moving through the discomfortable, the discomforting parts of your business that you might be avoiding, sometimes that's communication for people. It's not money at all, right? right? It's learning to be a better communicator. Maybe it's sales conversations. Maybe it's just figuring out, I have so many things to offer the world. What do I? But getting the support Mm -hmm. is the key. So for me, it's really getting people to, to know that they'll be able to take bigger leaps in their life and their business, if they really do step in and know that they are the number one human capital investment that they're making in their business. And if they're not willing to invest in themselves for support, it's really hard to, for you to even take that investment for other people to build your team, build your business, scale and grow because you're kind of stuck in this wheel, right? That hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. And And it just feels icky for when you've been there for a while. It does. It does. And then, and that's where you see a lot of people kind of teeter on the edge of of stopping, right? Or surviving. Yeah, exactly. They're in the surviving survival mode. And that's where you need to really turn the corner and just, and just find the appropriate, appropriate support. So, yeah. Which is why I love that you're doing the podcast because it's bringing all the elements, you know, of truly moving people, your, your message of resilience is what we need, but the, uh, the end goal is to move from surviving to thriving, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Tell people where they can find you, any promotions you have going on, stuff like that. So we can share. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't go too deep in the metrics. So I do have a um, PDF that I'll share with your audience, your listeners that they can grab, which will give them an overview of the things that they should be looking at every month in a more detailed fashion. And you can find me at michellejacobic.com. You know, there's an opportunity there if you want to reach out for a discovery call or have a conversation around um, what you might need for support if you do in this area of profitability and strategy with your finances. Um, And I also am on Facebook and Instagram under Michelle Jacobic. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you again. And guys, thank you. you are not, you're welcome. If you are not in the surviving entrepreneurship community on Facebook, you want to jump in there because thank you. You want to jump in there because you want to get Michelle's free downloadable PDF because it's full of amazing information and it's just incredible. And I will be sure to drop links to where you can find her in the show notes. And Michelle, thank you again for joining us today. I just, I, I could just learn so much from speaking to you every time we do. Talk to you all day.
Thank you so much for having me. I know even after listening to that incredible episode, some of you out there are still a little too nervous to look at your numbers. So let me just drive the point home for you, okay? There were times in my business where, you know, I wasn't making any money. It was scary, right? Like I wasn't necessarily in the black. I didn't really understand how to take my company to the next level. You know, and that's some scary shit, especially if you've burned the bridge behind you like I did. And you know, you had to make money. There really wasn't a choice. So when you're not doing it, it can be very scary. But for me, I always kind of, you know, once I started looking at the numbers, I always took a little bit of comfort in having that piece of power, right? Because to me, they're, they're facts. They're, it's data. It's just another thing to arm myself with in order to, to move forward in my business. So, you know, you may be scared. You may think looking at your numbers will remind you that you suck. Who knows? But guys, I'm telling you, look at it as data. Look at it as another tool that you can use to inform yourself and, you know, step into that power in order to design the life that you set out to design, right? Awesome. And on next week's episode, you know, you guys have heard me talk about it. I talk about it quite often, how I think self-care and keeping yourself healthy and all of those good things are a business strategy, especially if you're an entrepreneur, because a lot of the times you do make up a large part of your business and we are in this for the marathon, not the sprint. And you want to be able to, you know, kick ass at all the things you want to kick ass at. So next week I'm speaking to Liza Lomax, who I have to say, guys, her story is incredible. I think it was age 26. The doctor told her, you know, lose weight or you're not going to make, you know, the next three years of your life, basically. So that's a pretty intense story. So as an entrepreneur, I'm excited to speak with her. And you guys are going to love hearing her journey and she's got so much to offer. So be sure to tune in. And as always, if you love this podcast, please don't forget to download, subscribe, rate, and review. And you know, tell a friend because who couldn't use a little more resilience in their life? Right guys? See you later. 